protecting public health in the Delaware River Basin and beyond. DamascusCitizens.org For Radio Catskill, this is Rosie Starr. Welcome to Farm and Country, locally produced radio about rural life in the Catskills and the Delaware River Valley. On today's show, Keith Hubbard's Star Talk report highlights a colorful celestial trio, the Moon, Mars, and Venus. Fly fisher Andy Boyer shares fun facts about catching shad. I spoke with him last year at the 2022 Founding Fish Shad Festival event in Barryville's Farmer's Market. Hillary Chapman speaks to us about Howl Walks, outdoor guided meditative adventures that she leads in the Sullivan County area. All of that coming up on today's Farm and Country. But first, news headlines from NPR. Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Amy Held. China's foreign ministry is reacting angrily to the G7 communique leaders of the world's wealthiest democracies issued as they met in Japan. They emphasized the need to diversify supply chains and expressed concern about Chinese aggression in the East and South China Seas. Beijing accused the G7 of interfering in its internal affairs and attacking it. The G7 leaders called for peace across the Taiwan Strait and asked China to join efforts to stop Russia's war in Ukraine. Ukraine's President Volodymyr Zelensky is also in Japan for his first Asia visit since Russia invaded last year. NPR's Anthony Kuhn reports from Hiroshima. Zelensky is due to attend a G7 meeting on peace and security Sunday, the final day of the three-day summit. He's recently traveled to Germany, Italy, France, Britain, and Saudi Arabia, trying to get more weapons ahead of a planned counteroffensive against Russia. In a social media post, Zelensky said that at the G7, he would be holding important meetings with friends and partners of Ukraine. Today, he concluded, peace will be closer. Anthony Kuhn, NPR News, Hiroshima, Japan. President Biden plans to return to Washington from Japan tomorrow amid uncertainty over the debt negotiations between the White House and Republican House Speaker Kevin McCarthy's team. NPR's Barbara Sprunt reports the talks have resumed after hitting an impasse. Louisiana Congressman Garrett Graves, part of Speaker McCarthy's negotiating team, told reporters this latest meeting wasn't a negotiation, but rather a discussion about a, quote, realistic path forward. At the uh, direction of the Speaker of the House, we, um, we re-engaged, um, had a very, very candid discussion, uh, talking about um, where we are, talking about um, where things need to be, what's reasonable and acceptable. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen has previously warned lawmakers that the U.S. could run out of cash to pay its bills as soon as June 1st. Barbara Sprunt, NPR News, the Capitol. The U.S. is announcing new funding to help people in Sudan, uprooted by the ongoing conflict there. Michael Koloki reports. Gunfire and explosions were reported on Saturday morning near the Sudanese capital Khartoum as clashes continued between the Sudanese armed forces and the paramilitary group that rapid support forces. Meanwhile, the head of the U.S. Agency for International Development, Samantha Power, announced that the United States will provide over $100 million in new funding to support people in Sudan as well as neighboring countries that have been affected by the fighting. According to the United Nations, more than 840,000 Sudanese have been displaced 
released as a result of the ongoing conflict, while around 250,000 people have fled to neighboring countries. For NPR News, I am Michael Kaloki in Nairobi. This is NPR News. This is Rosie Starr. Welcome back to Farming Country. Coming up on today's show, fly fisher Andy Boyer shares fun facts about catching shad. I spoke with him last year at the 2022 Founding Fish Shad Festival event in Barryville's Farmer's Market. Hillary Chapman speaks to us about Howl Walks, outdoor guided meditative adventures that she leads in the Sullivan County area. First, here is Keith Hubbard with this week's Star Talk report. Thank you for joining us on Radio Catskill for this week's locally produced Farm and Country. For Farm and Country, I'm Keith Hubbard, and this is Star Talk. There will be quite an eyeful in the sky on Tuesday. A celestial trio will grace the western skies after sunset. The moon, Mars, and Venus will pair up on Tuesday evening. The moon and Venus will be visible almost immediately after sunset, while Mars will appear a short time later. That's because the moon and Venus are the two brightest objects in the night sky. With Mars and Venus being near one another, the difference in color between the two planets will be apparent. Mars will have a rusty hue, while Venus will be a brilliant white. Venus will be shining at a magnitude negative 4.3, and Mars will be shining at a magnitude 1.5. The brightness scale is logarithmic, meaning that Venus will be shining 209 times brighter than Mars. We can also use the moon as an aid to identify the two planets. The lighted side of the moon will point toward Venus, and the darkened side of the moon will point toward Mars. The moon will be in its waxing crescent phase, which means that the right side of the moon will be lit. Thus, Venus will be on the moon's right side, and Mars will be on the moon's left side. Venus goes through phases just like the moon, and currently resembles the first quarter moon when viewed through a telescope. This pairing will be in the sky from sunset until 10.30 p.m., so be sure to find time on Tuesday to spot this trio. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for future Star Talk segments, my email address is startalk at farmandcountry.org. For Farm and Country and Star Talk, this has been Keith Hubbard reminding you to keep looking up. My name is Andy Boyer, and I'm the president of the Upper Delaware chapter of Trout Unlimited, and I'm a fanatic fly fisher. I have fly rods and spinning rods and the different tools that we use to uh, catch shad. Tell us about the rods, the type of rods you have. Shad are a little different than most of the other species that we have here on the Delaware. The trout, you have to match the hatch. Shad is a welcoming fish. It's easy to catch when they're in. You want to be here at the peak of the run, which we have a couple of weeks for good uh, good shad fishing. 
and you can catch them on fly rod or spinning rod. And But you don't have to be a skilled fisherman. You put your fly or your dart, your shared dart, in front of the fish in a pool below a riffle, and you're going to probably catch one. You don't have to uh, maneuver the lure much. Just put it there, let it uh, wave in the uh, current, and the chances of a shed hitting it are very good. Yeah. Is there a special color that the lure has? Sure. The color is whatever your favorite color is that day. It really doesn't matter. But I have a bunch of sample darts here. Red and white is a very popular color. But people are going into fluorescent colors, fluorescent uh, yellows and greens and oranges and pinks even. So I never thought that the color of the fly matters much. Some people swear by their favorite color, yellow, because they always caught fish on it. Well, if you use the dart, or the yellow dart, you'll catch fish on it. If you use a white one, you'll catch fish on it. I've always been preferential to uh, red and white, and uh, that's because I caught my first one on red and white, so I continue to use red and white, and that's what fishermen do. What is my favorite lure? The one that's on the end of my line right now. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. And once you get the shad on your hook, then? Well, the shad is, some people refer to it as poor man's salmon or poor man's tarpon. For its size, it's one of the gamiest fish that you could ever land there. Because they're an anadromous fish, that means they've taken a long journey and they're powerful, powerful swimmers. When you catch them, because they're somewhat flat fish, they're longer, deeper from uh, dorsal to the to the underside uh, than most fish, and it's, it's it's flat. They use that big side to uh, their advantage uh, with the current. So they pull very hard, and they have a somewhat soft mouth. So um, if you have a small hook and you pull too hard, you'll pull it out of the fish's mouth. So. The darts are designed with a rather large gap in the hook, and uh, you use pretty light tackle. And you can catch them, as they say, on fly rod, which is lots of fun and a challenge, or spinning rod, or just about anything you want. If you want to get in a boat or a raft or a canoe, fishing below a riffle. And the fish are funny because they're easy to locate. The fish are almost like you have to think of a human. If you're going on a long journey and um, you had to go up a hill, and right before the hill uh, there's a bench, uh, you can sit there and rest before you make the next leg up. And that's basically what the shad are doing. They come up. They're coming upstream and, and always through the rapids. And when they come, they find a quiet spot to rest. And that is the place where the shad fishermen will have the best thing. They stage up, and they're there in large quantities, and you can see them. And then when they're rested up, they'll go up like a salmon, up through the rapids to the next resting spot. So kind of cool. Oh, that's a beautiful, beautiful representation. My goodness. Are you a fly fishing guide? Do people hire you to catch that? I hire the guides because I have... uh, I like to go out with a guide because you can always learn something. I fish with a lot of guides. I do fish every day of the year, um, normally in my favorite places, which are the tributaries to the uh, Delaware. fish the Mongop River. I fish the Lackawaxen, the east and west branch of the Delaware, the Willowemuck and the Beaverkill. This is 
the birthplace of fly fishing in America, and consequently, it, the reason it became that is because there's so many fantastic opportunities for these beautiful cold water species. Rainbow trout of epic proportion up on the upper Delaware, really serious fish. On the main stem, big browns, small browns. In our brooks, the tributaries to the Delaware, we have the brook trout, which is the state fish of New York, and it's also the state fish of the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. And these beautiful little brooks that are coming down everywhere, coming off these hills and down into the Delaware, have the brook trout. So we have all three species here, plus clear, clean, cold water. That's the mission of Trout Unlimited, is to keep it clean and cold. And also, I have another hat I wear, is this chairman of the Upper Delaware Council, and our mission there, too, is to keep the uh, Delaware pristine. As residents of Wayne County, my husband and I are grateful for the work that you do on that council, all of you. I am familiar with some of the fishing guys, Evan Pato and his father, Mike. Evan is great. Evan is a wonderful, wonderful guide. My passion is, is the river, and it is the fishing, and the only way is to involve others, involve the next generation, get our uh, stewards of, of the waters here, and that way we'll have it for future generation. That's my dream, I hope. Thank you for taking the time to speak with us. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you. That audio segment was recorded last year at the 2022 Shad Festival. This year's festival is currently in full swing with details online. Festivalofthefoundingfish.com Hi, my name is Hillary Melcher Chapman, and I am a resident of Sullivan County. I have lived here for a number of years now, and I'm originally from Maine. Been I've lived around the world, and my background is really in movement practices, in creative explorations. I have... Um, both of my parents are artists, so I really grew up with a lot of creative, generative practices that were supported and encouraged. And Howl Walks is something that I developed in 2020, and it's really just changed my life. Okay, well, you developed it in 2020. That's the COVID years. <laughs> <laughs> It is an outdoor activity, which was good during those COVID years to be outside. Tell us what this concept of Howl Walks is. So Howl Walks are guided meditative walking adventures. And we really take an approach to walking outside as a way of reconnecting to our own wildness, our own bodies, our own connection to the land as animals, as beings, and bring that into a, a movement practice, a sounding, using the voice to vibrate sound within the body, and culminating in a group howl. So doing this work to loosen up and sort of like shed whatever we want to shed, calling in new things, and then howling as a group expression of wherever we're at. Well, when you say howling, 
I can think of a wolf howls. Is that the animal that you're trying to replicate with that sound? And and if that's so, why particularly the wolf? And what is it about the wolf sound? Good question. I actually went to a workshop at the Wolf Conservation Center in South Salem, New York, in 2019, and it was led by Vanessa Shakur, who runs Sacred Warrior um, Herbalism Retreats. And it was a 24-hour workshop, and we got to tent, sleep next to where the wolves' enclosures were. And that time on the land and hearing the wolves howling together just inspired me. And I I think I've always been excited about wolves and intrigued and curious about their presence in the world. And that workshop really just brought it home to me how important it is to have a voice and to use it in community, you know, singing and groups, humans do that and wolves do that too. And so Something about the wolves' call is just, like, moving. It's haunting. It's, like, searching. There's, like, this. There's beauty to it. And the way their voices overlap and kind of become one greater song is just inspiring. And it sounds like it comes from very deep inside the body. Yeah, I would say so. I think when I work on howling, when I howl and the wild with people it does come from deep within me and I feel that the more that I'm grounded in my body the more that I can allow myself to be a channel for this sound to come through and it does feel like it comes from the earth almost where do these howl events take place the howl walks have mostly been happening in Hortonville here on the hill there's a possibility for them to happen anywhere. When we started, it was up in Hancock near Deposit. Basically, it feels like wherever people are inviting the work to come to, I I am interested in bringing it. Mm-hmm. And it really is about connecting to the land and, and developing relationship with the land as human beings. In this area where we are in Sullivan County, both sides of the river, we're near the Delaware River that the Lenape Indians lived here. I understand that you study the language. What brought you to start that activity? When Isaac Greendeibel invited me to offer howl walks on this land, he also shared with me that he was learning the Lenape language. And so the Lenape people have lived on this land for thousands of years, have been the caretakers, the people who have grown with this land that we live on here. And he started learning the language. And when I heard that, I just was like, oh, right, that this is also about connecting to the land through a language that has been developed on this land, a language that in its very nature, a part of this earth, this land, the trees, you know, the way that this place is. So I asked him who his teacher was and I found Shelley DePaul and Adam DePaul and they're part of the Lenape Nation of Pennsylvania. And 
teaching lots of people how to revive this language that was basically almost extinct. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm learning the language as a way of connecting to the land through words and, and like this other way of, of voicing, of sounding. Mm-hmm. Who attends these howl events? The people who have come are mostly creative artist types, people who are interested in exploring what they're doing or or just expanding their sense of self, connecting to the ground, to the earth, to the trees, to the animals. It's basically a wide range of people from more like middle-aged, younger folks to older people and anyone who is called to find their wildness in a way, you know. Let's talk about the seasons. Do you assist with howl walks as a four season? We're in northeast Pennsylvania. And also in Sullivan County, we have severe winters. But there's beautiful four seasons. We live in a community that is blessed with beauty of four seasons. Do you offer howl walks in those four seasons? Yes, I do. I actually, when I first began, I started in December. And I just learned that the one of the words for December is Mukotaye Kishuch, which is mistletoe month. And apparently there are many names depending on what community you live in, but um, for the months. But I started in December and I have continued to offer howl walks year-round. It has become a practice that is connected to the full moon and the new moon. And that seems to be a really good gathering focal point for people to connect with as howling, as like a cyclical sort of like touching in with what's happening in our lives and on the earth. So yeah, I definitely offer them year-round, and and it's very different. Every part of the year is so different here that it's exciting because the plants change and the the birds singing changes, the light changes, you know, obviously the temperature changes. <laughs> yeah, so... So you dress accordingly. Yes, absolutely. Always layers, I find, are important to have warm layers in the winter, anything that's good to move in, that you have like free range for your arms and your legs and your hips and less layers in the summer. (laughs) If you've been doing this now for three years, is there anything in your life that you could say has changed because of it? That's a great question. I feel that Howl Walks has changed my sense of myself, my sense of my voice. And the practice really lights people up. It really like brings people to like a balanced, engaged, present feeling. And I've noticed in myself how the practice of Howl Walks, showing up and walking and moving and sounding and howling, And just gathering with people in this way outside has changed my sense of who I am as a 
being who I am as a community member in this place, what I do and how I feel is connected to the seasons, to the land, to how, to what's going on outside. And yeah, it feels like a creative generator also. Like it really sort of clears the slate and allows this like new energy to come through. It's so beautiful up here. We are up high, surrounded by trees and a field. Before we close, is there anything else you'd like to add? I would be curious to hear, Rosie, you've been to a couple of Howl Walks now. What is your experience coming into the Howl Walk practice, and how do you come away feeling? Is there a sense of a change or, or a transformation? Since I'm a radio person, I'm very much into sound and it's the sound not only of the surrounding environment and the other participants the sound of my own voice coming deep from down in the earth beneath my feet and reaching up into the sky I mean it's amazing because you're provoking us or the participants to sound from their body. It's a vibration. And everyone, of course, is unique. And everyone sounds different. Actually, what I hear in my ears with my body is not what somebody else hears, but it doesn't matter. There's a an inclusive feeling here, but there's um an exclusive feeling also, like you're you're sheltered in the environment outdoors to express a real spiritual connection to the earth and the sky. It's deeply personal, but it's about sound, the vibration of sound within the body. And, you know, we're mammals. And to emit a sound that, that sounds like an animal is very uh, therapeutic. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I would agree that howling and even just vibrating sound through the body is really grounding and also releasing. Like there's this way that it's a release of energy. It's a release of emotion. It's a release of just like nonverbal communication. I like what you said. It is very connected to the earth and the sky and also you know horizontally it's connected to the trees and calling out and like kind of seeing who's out there as well like it's a little bit of a like hey we're here we're doing this thing and like do you hear us is there anyone else like ready to howl back <laughs> Well, the, the breeze is picking up, and I was hoping to get some wild sound, literally. But in case I don't get that opportunity, are you willing to let out a howl right now just for sound's sake? Together? Oh, sure, if we do it together. Yeah. <laughs> on your cue, on your cue, if you don't think it's irreverent at this point. <laughs> no, I like it. Let's do it. Okay. Thank you for taking the time to speak with us. Thank you, Rosie. It's a pleasure. <laughs> <laughs>
More information on Howl Walks is available on Instagram at Howl Walks or by writing to Hillary Chapman at gmail.com. We hope that you enjoyed our show this week with production by Radio Catskill volunteer Keith Hubbard. Special thanks goes to our guest, fly fisher Andy Boyer, for his inspiration on the ease of catching a shad, and to Hillary Chapman for introducing us to guided meditative howl walks. This has been your host, Rosie Starr. Thanks for listening local to Farm and Country and supporting Radio Catskill, public radio for the Catskills and Northeast Pennsylvania. Listen on air at 90.5 FM on your phone or smart speaker or online at wjffradio.org. Support for Farm and Country comes from Damascus Citizens for Sustainability, a community-supported, science-based nonprofit taking legal actions, providing tools for action, and raising awareness of fracking damage since 2008, proactively protecting public health in the Delaware River Basin and beyond. DamascusCitizens.org To be truly informed about world events, you need as many viewpoints as possible. So every weekday morning at 9 on Radio Catskill, NewsHour from the BBC brings you the most important international news stories. With reports from around the globe, from the places where the stories are happening, and expert analysis from guests, NewsHour helps you understand a complex world. Stay informed with NewsHour from the BBC, weekday mornings at 9 on Radio Catskill. Hi, Angela Page from Folk Plus. 